Welcome to this week's episode of the AgriBiz Show on the Mighty 790 and 104.7 KFGO. I'm Rusty Halverson. Here's what's happening in agriculture. Despite dry conditions throughout much of the growing season, some Minnesota corn farmers achieved good yields in 2023. Tom Hoverstad, a researcher at the University of Minnesota Southern Research and Outreach Center in Wasika, says timely rains helped out some folks, but not everyone around the state. We didn't really get below our annual precipitation until about the first week of June. Right here, I'm in Waseca, south, south central Minnesota. We had a very good soil recharge. We have native soils that hold a lot of water. We had a lot of rain in the spring of the year, more than normal in May. Didn't really turn dry till later. So we had, we had a lot of moisture in the soil and we're blessed with soils that hold a lot of water. Some year that's a curse and not a bless. We have too much water. But this year, I think uh, our water holding capacity helped out. Hoverstad also points out that temperatures were two and a half degrees cooler than average in July for his location, and that helped out the corn crop. Now, having said that, there was a, some areas of the state where they're saying uh, we didn't get that great crop. Down in the southeast part, probably centered maybe from Rochester down to Iowa, I think they missed out on some rains. We had decent rain in August that I think they missed. Uh, they maybe didn't get quite the recharge we had, and maybe they don't hold quite as much as some of our soils. There's areas that did suffer from the drought. Uh, national or state average corn yields were down about 10 bushel per acre from the previous year. So it wasn't everywhere, but we were fortunate to get what we had. And I think Mother Nature does explain some of that. Not to minimize what the breeders are doing, but uh, Mother Nature still has the final say. That's Tom Hoverstad of the University of Minnesota Southern Research and Outreach Center in Wasika. Ada, Minnesota producer Neil Rockstead was at the trade show during the American Farm Bureau's annual convention in Salt Lake City this past week, representing the American Sugar Beet Growers Association. The beauty of the Farm Bureau Convention as it moves around the United States is you get to see a lot of different farmers from all across the United States and learn that our issues are very similar even if we don't raise similar crops. It gives me a chance to learn about the issues that affect cotton and peanuts, citrus crops. It gives those people an exposure to what we raise in the Red River Valley, wheat and soybeans and corn and sugar beets. So it's just a great opportunity to meet fellow farmers, like-minded farmers, completely different crops, similar interests and issues. Rockstead says one common theme is the need for a new farm bill. We would like a farm bill to provide some stability for us going forward. Our input costs have skyrocketed. Our commodity prices haven't kept up. We need some assurance that we'll be able to stay in this business and continue to supply an adequate supply of food and fiber and fuel to a, to a growing, hungry world. So the world gets pretty small, even though the United States is very large. The world gets pretty small when it comes down to let's get together and pass a farm policy. It's not... Our, our commodity against your commodity. It's all of agriculture together. That's grower Neil Rockstead of Ada, Minnesota. Word is out that the Dairy Research and Training Facility at South Dakota State University will be closed by the end of June. Dr. Joe Cassidy is the South Dakota Corn Endowed Dean of the College of Agriculture at SDSU. He says this was a very difficult decision, but the dairy barns were simply outdated. The parlor and the Freestall barn were built, uh, construction was completed, I believe, in 1994, so they're now 30 years old, and that was the newest parts of the dairy. 
um, the other parts, housing dry cows and, and replacement females and that type of thing. The heifer development facilities are from the 1960s. And so uh, we have a rapidly growing, um, very modern dairy industry in the state. And these facilities just in no way represented um, the modern industry in the state of South Dakota. Cassidy says he appreciates the connection that many people feel for the SDSU dairy barns. I appreciate the passion there is for our dairy industry. We recognize the importance of the dairy industry. Um, Change is often uh, difficult, but we are confident we can develop a um, different model for meeting the needs of the students and provide them with a really high-quality education by partnering with our dairy partners. The Association of Public and Land-Grant Universities is urging lawmakers to fund the Research Facilities Act in the new Farm Bill. A recent report from 2021 assessed the state facilities at U.S. colleges and schools of agriculture and found that 70% of research buildings are at the end of their useful life. North Dakota Farmers Union President Mark Watney says there's a critical need for upgrades around the nation. It's time both state and federal government invest back in that. Uh, all industries do investment in research, and agriculture is one that we've probably left on the back burner for too long, and it's time. Now, we did just do this with our seed genetics at NDSU. We're putting quite a bit of money into that program. That's going to be a huge payback and a huge asset to agriculture and to the state's economy. So I think we, if we look at them in the way of what we need to do investing in the future of agriculture, we'll be really amazed at what we can do. Uh, I travel the world. Um, there's countries that are technology ahead of us, and then, of course, there's some that are not even able to, um, you know, almost feed themselves, and that's a lack of research. And the countries ahead of us are researching more, so it's time we get back in this game and really do a good job. Meanwhile, North Dakota Farmers Union is serving as the state lead on a national pilot program that will pay farmers and ranchers for conservation practices on their land. Seven soil conservation districts in North Dakota are participating in the pilot program with the goal of enrolling 450 producers who are farming or ranching in either Billings, Cass, Foster, McKenzie, Mercer, Rolette, Stark, or Ward counties. Well, we've been uh, getting just uh, endless questions on what is available for uh, trying to fit into this uh, carbon sequestration or reducing greenhouse gas emissions, and and how do we be part of something where we're rewarded for our efforts? Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been telling a lot of people just hold off because we're doing a lot of work trying to figure out is there a system uh, where you actually get paid something. You know, Ten or fifteen dollars an acre doesn't make a lot of difference. The pilot program will offer one-year contracts in 2024 and 25, paying one hundred dollars an acre or animal unit for high-value conservation practices. So now what we found is through the USDA and uh, working with Virginia Tech and a few states, along with the grain growers and the conservation district in North Dakota, we have a test pilot in the counties you mentioned where we can pay up to $100 an acre for certain practices and early adopters fit. Now, at the same time that we're doing the pilot project, uh, we're going back and, and being part of further grants that's going to bring enough money, uh, hopefully, to expand this across the, the whole state. And now when we get into like a $100 an acre scenario, that's a lot different game. And, and again, it, it could be because of something you're currently doing or something you may have to add. Uh, but uh, this is something our organization and along with these other folks have been working very hard to really get a system that fits farmers rather than just kind of a piecemeal approach. And, and we hope to get this done. Now, we're ways away, but we're working on it. 
More details can be found online at allianceforcsa.org. South Dakota State University Extension is teaming up with North Dakota State University Extension to host informational programs for beef cattle producers. As feed costs rise, it puts additional cost pressure on cattle producers. Warren Rushi is an assistant professor and SDSU Extension feedlot specialist. Well, this was a, a culmination, really, of some of the research work that's been done not just here at our two institutions, but at land grants across the Midwest, exploring some options uh, that cow-calf producers have to uh, make better use of the feed resources they have on hand. I don't think it's going to be a shock to anyone listening that uh, forage and hay costs and pasture costs uh, have been continuing to increase and are posing some challenges from margins for our cow-calf producers so what we've been doing is uh, looking at some different ways that uh, alternatives, perhaps, uh, that people could look, consider uh, as a way to uh, deal with those feed costs. There will be presentations on a number of different topics. They can increase use of grazing cover crops or crop residues, uh, changing some diets around uh, to uh, come up with uh, feeding options that reduce daily feed costs. Uh, along with uh, some of the approaches that might involve some degree of confinement feeding of of the cow herd. Registration is required by February 5th and is $25 per person. Participants will also receive a link to a recording of the symposium. Uh, They can join us on February 6th in Huron or the next day in Jamestown, North Dakota, or they could sign up for the webinar, the Zoom webinar, uh, because we understand that uh, farmers and ranchers are busy, Sometimes weather throws us a curveball, and you might not be able to make a couple of those locations. But regardless of of how you participate, you're right. You're going to have access to that recording, so you can save that, uh, put it in your library, so to speak, uh, and be able to refer to that later. So, you know, as you said, we're looking, asking for registrations by the fifth. Uh, We also understand that sometimes uh, things come up, and you know, if you can, if you didn't get registered but can still make it. Give us a shout or stop by. We'll figure out a way to uh, to make it work for you. You can find registration information on the NDSU and SDSU Extension websites. We'll have more on this week's episode of the AgriBiz Show, coming up in just a moment on the Mighty 790 and 104.7 KFGO. Welcome back to the Agribiz Show on the Mighty 790 and 104.7 KFGO. I'm Rusty Halverson. One of the themes of the recent Bean Day at the Fargo Holiday Inn was sustainability. Chelsea Diddinger has a Ph.D. in nutrition from Colorado State University, and she has a blog at alegumeaday.com. She says sustainability is increasingly important to consumers at the grocery store. She likes to attend grower meetings like Bean Day so she can share the farmer's perspective with her audience. A lot of consumers maybe aren't involved in farming, so it gives them just that appreciation that they, that they wouldn't have known about. So I think that's a really key aspect of it, and I do also build that in to talks or presentations that I do, aspects of sustainability, but focusing not just on that, but again, 
the, the whole complete story of beans because sustainability is a really key part of it. And then also want to bring in that nutrition, want to bring in the culinary versatility, all those other wonderful points of beans too. You can also find A Legume A Day on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Speaking of sustainability, Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, along with several partnering organizations, will receive up to $50 million through USDA's new Partnerships for Climate Smart Commodities program. Edge is spearheading a project aimed at expanding climate smart markets and establishing dairy and sugar from sugar beets as climate smart commodities. Drew Kessler is a project manager for Houston Engineering. He's working on that project with Edge in Minnesota and Wisconsin. They're actually taking a little different take. They're actually not going to come out and sell practices to farmers. They're going to try to get groups of farmers together, help them identify where they're at today, and allow them to make the decisions on how their farm makes improvements and let them pursue the business opportunities that work best for their farms based upon those decisions. Edge says its farmers have been at the forefront of sustainability, and now there's an opportunity to create a marketplace that rewards that leadership. There are early adopters out there. Farmers have already done a lot of good work. So I think sometimes it's not about who's progressive and who's not. It's about how are people with conservation opportunities, with climate opportunities, engaging in that discussion with farmers and acknowledging that a lot of farmers have done some really good work and letting them help identify the opportunities that are right for their farms. Edge, based in Green Bay, is the third largest dairy co-op in the country based on milk volume. Member farms are located in Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio. The House Financial Services Oversight and Investigations Subcommittee held a hearing recently on the Security Exchange Commission's proposed climate disclosure rule. Testifying at that hearing was Bill Schultz, vice president of Schultz Fruit Ridge Farms located in Michigan. As a third-generation family farmer, Schultz talked about how the SEC's proposed rule will negatively impact family farms across the nation while increasing costs for consumers. It's a, a department that we have not dealt with in the past. SEC you know, doesn't usually get involved with farm operations, if you will. And uh, it, just the concept as a whole will send ripples across the industry. It adds a layer of management that costs to initiate but it doesn't necessarily add value to the, to the product that we produce. So farmers tend to be, as you know, they tend to be price takers. We take what we can get. We don't get to set our price. Republicans on the subcommittee said the rule is a threat to enterprise and will be struck down in the courts because it's overly broad in scope. Every farm is unique. It's like, I say it's like the color of the rainbow. They're all, all farmers are different shapes, colors, and sizes. They produce different crops. You can't throw them all into one bucket. It's just not, there's a lot of variability. Things vary like production from year to year. No fault of our own. Sometimes we can produce half as much. It costs almost as much from a capital side of things. We still have to spray and water our crops, but if the weather took half of our yield, we have to have the same inputs. And so that would look bad on paper. No fault of our own. The so-called climate disclosure rule claims climate change presents companies with material risks that affect investors, the necessary validation for any SEC action. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the AgriBiz Show. 
I've been your host, Rusty Halverson, on the Mighty 790 and 104.7 KFGO. KFGO.